Praise the Lord. Am I on? I'm on. Praise God. It's so good to be here. Um, we love coming to Tyler, Texas. We, um, we have a son and daughter-in-law and their family that live up in Justin, Texas. They've been, they left Homer, well, many years ago, 10, 12 years ago at least. Uh, and so we missed them. He was my number one fishing buddy. Um, and uh, so I miss, I miss him, but he gets down every now and then we go fishing. And so I, I try to keep a good boat ready to go. And uh, it's always good. But uh, we're so happy to be here this morning. Cindy, would you stand? I want everyone to see you stand up. This is my beautiful wife, Cindy. Yeah, um, I, I owe it to her that, number one, I am a preacher. Number two, I'm bald. She had this wish and prayer all of her life that she would marry a preacher. And she thinks bald-headed guys look good. And so, God is giving her the desires of her heart. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) That's not a blame. God is good. It's great to be with you, and I understand that you guys have declared this year to be the year of more. Praise the Lord right up my alley. I love the idea that I'll never have enough of God, of His Word, of His Spirit, of His anointing, of His goodness, of His mercy. Hallelujah. Or of his people. Praise the name of Jesus. And I, I'm so glad that you've set, you've laid the foundation so I can preach about more. Praise the Lord. The Bible's got a lot to say about more. I'm just going to give you a little bit. You know, three, four hours. Not, not much. Uh, I shouldn't joke like that. I've been guilty of that. Anyway, <laughs> it's good. It's good to be with you in the house of God. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, thank you, Pastor Amy. We had such a wonderful time yesterday. I tell you, we went around that peninsula, water just rippling against those rocks. I thought I was in Florida. And then I woke up, I was in heaven. I mean, uh, Texas. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. It's just good to be here. And it is so good to be in the presence of God. Enjoy this worship. And uh, I'm enjoying myself in this service. And we love your pastors. Uh, they introduced us to one of the best hamburgers uh, around Kunek, uh, Texas. They found that hole in the wall, and then they invited us to go, and it's gourmet burgers. And then yesterday, they took us to the uh, uh, famous, world-famous burger company. You know, any restaurant that ends with the word company... That, that's a good restaurant. Yeah, that's a good, that tells it all right there. It's the company. It's the best hamburger company. And it was good. It was good. Thank you all, pastors, for a great time yesterday. And we love your fellowship. We do. They become our buddies. 
Now, I don't know, how do you come out of Tyler, Texas, drive into Kuhnek, Texas, meet a couple of Cajuns, and become best buddies? Hallelujah. Every year, every Tuesday, we do a gourmet burger in Elgin, Texas. Thank you. What a man. What a man. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's get into the Bible. Let's get into the Word. Isaiah chapter 6, I want to read verse 1, 2, and 3. And uh, I guess if I guess you can tell I'm, I'm happy to be here. And, uh, and we, we just have a great time fellowshipping with your pastors. Take good care of them. It'll be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, 2, and 3. In the year that King Isaiah died... I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Hmm. Now, what I did not read in the text is that immediately Isaiah recognized something. God swole up in His glory. At the sound of the seraphim. And let me tell you something about, about praise. Praise is not what you tell God. Praise is what you tell someone else about God. What we tell God should be classified as worship. But what we tell others about God is designated as praise. Which means that when God finds you talking good about Him to someone else, He has to come by. He cannot resist. He has to draw near. When Isaiah heard one seraphim say to the other, notice that we're not talking to God. One seraphim was saying to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And God went, whoom. And immediately Isaiah said, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. I'm going to tell you what he was saying. He was saying, wait one minute. I've never seen this kind of response from God when I talk. I must be saying something wrong. And I dwell among the people who do not get this kind of reaction. In other words, he was saying, Do you mean to tell me there's more in the realm of praise to God than I have experienced? The answer was yes. There's more. When Isaiah said, Woe is me, he was saying... I have just discovered more in the realm of my praise to God... And I want it. Immediately, his heart cried out for more. 
in the presence of God. Seeing the Lord and entering into His glory. When I say something about God, I want Him to swell in glory. Let me tell you what that's all about. That is encapsulated in a verse of Scripture that David wrote. Delight thyself in the Lord. That means to brag about Him. Another word for praise. Bragging about God. To be delighted that He is your God. To consider yourself favored because He is your God. And to recognize that no other nation has a God like your God. And He will give you the desires of your heart. I have concluded that two things in your life will cause God to give you the desires of your heart. Faith in Him, trust and confidence in Him, and favor, His favor. How do you get His favor? Brag about Him. I dare you. I dare you to brag about Him to everyone you know, and you will find His favor, and you will notice God is giving you the desires of your heart. When I was a young boy, I said, you know, I sat at the banquet. I, I was 12 years old before we had running water. Well, you know, before we had running water, we finally, I used to haul a five-gallon bucket of, of water out of my Aunt Regina's well. See, there was a well, a big old hole dug and rocks, bricks, or whatever around it. You had to drop a bucket and get water, and I'd haul that to the house. So did my brother, and probably a couple of times one of my sisters. Until the day that my dad and my uncle, who lived right next door, drilled a water well. Old-fashioned way. Sledgehammer and pipe. And they, they punched down into the ground until they struck water. And so they put on one of these hand pumps. And um, <clears throat> it was the kind of pump that you had to prime. It wasn't a self-priming pump. So you had to pour water into the pump head. And I, I'll remember the sound till the day I die. Did I take anybody back? Did I take you back to your childhood? You can always trade in your water well for a donkey. They sound the same way. But anyway, you had to pour the prime water down into the, the, the head of the pump and pump until it sucked the water out of the underground stream. Um, you prime the pump. You pump the water. You get all the water you need. You refill the prime jar. Leave it to the base of the, of the well so that the next person who needs water has the convenience of the prime water to get their water. <clears throat> so, um, you had two choices. You could drink the little water in the prime jar. And that's it. Or you could pour the prime down the pump and get 
all the water you need. Because the water was at the bottom of the well. All the jar had was a prime. That was an unwritten rule. Anyone want to guess what the unwritten rule was? Don't drink the prime. (laughs) Don't drink the prime. That's the unwritten rule. That is very tempting at times to drink the prime. Because we as kids, we, we were playing tag, we were playing chase, we were just running around all day doing it. And you know what? You'd sweat and you'd get thirsty. And especially if you were in a, a tag game, you don't have time to stop, pour the water down. You, you, you. No, 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 no. On the run, you just grab that jar, drink the prime water, drop the jar, and keep going. You won the game, but you lost your behind. Hello? Because when dad got a hold of you, listen, it was, it was, uh, it was wrong to drink the prime. It was wrong. It was wrong. It was selfish to drink the prime. It was inconsiderate to drink the prime. It was discourteous to drink the prime. Are you catching all of this? Selfish, inconsiderate, discourteous. Drinking the prime meant extra work for anyone else needing water. Because then you had to walk, you had to take, you had to find the jar wherever it got dropped. You had to walk 75 yards to the bayou. You had to get down on your knees and scoop up a prime jar full of bayou water walk the 75 yards back, pour that dirty water down into the head of that pump and start pumping and once you got water you had to make sure that you flushed out all the dirty water and you had just good clear water coming out how much water do you have to run through the head of a pump until you know there aren't any more germs, bacteria or whatever that you just swooped out of that bayou that you had to do that if you wanted water when someone was so discourteous and selfish and inconsiderate that they drank the prime and could care less about anybody else. That's what you had to go through if someone drank the prime. It was to everyone's advantage to follow the unwritten rule. But I will say, especially the one who wants to try to drink the It was to her advantage not to do it. Just don't drink the prime. And let's let's put some scripture to it. How about that? But that's important. Remember that. Look at your neighbor and say, don't drink the prime. You might as well tell them, there is a prime. There is a prime. Don't drink it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. 
in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Unto the praise of His glory. We, when we believed, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Known as the earnest of our inheritance. Earnest. That's a real estate term. That word earnest is a real estate term. It's a guarantee of the purchase. It's a down payment. It's what you present to the realtor on behalf of the seller guaranteeing that you will buy. That's what the Holy Spirit is to us at salvation. God gives us the Holy Spirit which is we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It is the earnest that Christ leaves with us guaranteeing he's going to buy us. Guaranteeing he will come back and receive us. He's gone to build a, a, a place for us and he will return. And how do we know? He gave us a down payment. He gave us an earnest. The deal has been struck. He is simply going to come back one day to close on the deal. As one old preacher said one time, the Holy Spirit in your life is a foretaste to develop a taste for. What we're saying is that there's more. There's more. And so now you have to remember why I mentioned that prime jar and that well. You can drink the water that little bit of water in the prime jar and think that's good enough. Or, you can use the prime in the well and get all the water you want. In other words, there's more at the bottom of the well and I'm going to get to it. I'm not going to drink the prime. There's more and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. There's more of this Holy Ghost. There's more of this Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I'm hungry for more. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. As it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Do, do you get it already? But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. What's the scripture saying? There's more. The scripture is saying there's more. How do we get it? How about dig deeper into the Spirit of God. Dig deeper into the Spirit of God. Well, it's not in my notes, but how do you dig deeper into the Spirit of God? How about give yourself totally to the presence of God when you walk into His church? 
Give yourself totally. You're here for something. Get it. You're here to be part of something. Be part of something. Follow the lead of the Spirit. Give in to the unction of the Holy Spirit. What am I saying? There's more, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, which has not yet been revealed in us. There is more to be revealed. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, you know, I have issues. I've been studying the Bible for at least 65 years. Since I could read, I had to read the Bible. I started to read, the Bible was a book that I had to read. Uh, Mom and Dad's rules. Both preachers. So I read the Bible. So all my life I've been reading the Bible. I've been preaching the Bible for 54 years. Going on 55 years. Just a couple of months, a few months, 55 years. I have dug in the Scripture. And, I, and I, I do have issues when I hear Scripture quoted out of context. When I hear, when I hear suppositions and assumptions of what God is trying to say. This, this is kind of one of them. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Let me make something clear first of all. There is a manifestation we haven't seen yet. My problem is the creature. Uh, let me tell you what, what, what is not going on. The whole world is not waiting for me to be a child of God. But that's the way that this scripture seems to be uh, interpreted. That the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Ta-da! I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, this house would be jam-packed standing room only by a bunch of ungodly people waiting to watch us do what we do. Uh, that's just not happening. So anyway, I'm just saying, let me tell you what's going on. This creature, if you read uh, Romans uh, 8 and going down to verse 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, you'll find that the creature that's being mentioned here was subjected, subjected to weakness and frailty. In other words, when God created man, He created man to be a free moral agent and therefore had to release him. And whatever decisions this free moral agent would make would determine their life, their quality of life, and have, you know, their consequences to decision. And He says, not of the creatures. You know, not that the, cre the creature did not agree with it. I don't like trouble. I don't like pain. I don't like hurt. I don't like sickness. I don't like death. I don't like anything, anything that I've been subjected to. But God subjected the creature to that, knowing there's a remedy, knowing there's a solution. He knew all along his son would take it, would come down and make it all right, if you accept him. So the creature... Unwilling, yet God subjected him, knowing the end of the story. 
Let me tell you, who is the creature? I want you to take your hand and point your finger up like this. Take your hand. All right. Who is the creature? I want you to turn that finger right to you. You are the creature. You are the creature waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You are that creature. And you're not looking for it in your wife. Not supposed to. Not looking for it in your neighbor. You're looking for it in yourself. So I'll tell you what's going on. There's a battle going on inside every one of us who do not understand who you are in Christ, who you are in God, who you are simply created, a free moral agent. You got it all. You're it. You decide. You're the boss. You won't do the best thing until you accept Jesus Christ and surrender your will to Him. But you're the one in charge. The problem is, is that there's a difference between your body and your soul and your spirit. Your body and soul, your soul is taking dictation from your body. Your soul has to accept whatever your body dictates to it. Your spirit. That's the real you. That creature, that's you, your spirit. You're not a human. You're a spirit that lives in a body and has a soul to function. You are a spirit. You came from God. One day this body we will lay down. You will go back to God where you came. From where you came. You are the spirit. You, that's you. The spirit is you. The spirit that came from God knows all about you. It's not at all confused about you. It's your soul that's confused about you. It's your soul, your body that's confused about you. Your body sends your soul a message. I'm hurting. You know, I'll turn 70. I keep telling people I'll turn 90 in about 21 years. No, I'll turn 70 in just a few months. I told my wife just a, a couple of weeks ago. I come home from a long day of activities. And I felt like, you know, I, I'm not feeling right. I think I'm going to lay down on the floor, something flat, and let my bones, let my backbones line up again. <laughs> and every time I do that, I feel, I feel my bones. And I told Sydney, I said, you know what? If I never laid down on the floor and let my bones get back where they belong, I would never even guess I'm old. But, but as soon as I lay down and I start feeling the eggs and the bones going back in order, oh, 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 ah, I've got a little age on me. That's the message that my body keeps sending to my soul. My spirit doesn't feel that. Hello? I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to give you the main, I need to hurry here. I want to give you the main thing that's going on between your spirit and your body and soul. There's a constant conflict. Because, because your spirit is waiting for you, your body and your soul, to live up to who you are. You don't want another struggle. You don't want another trial. You don't want another hardship. You're trying your best to get out of it. Matter of fact, the day it starts, you start praying, God, get me out of this, get me out of this. That's your body and your soul. While your spirit is saying... Turn him loose. Come on. I could get him. I could do him. Come on. But your body say, no, 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 no. 
We don't want to fight him. We need to let our body and soul develop the spirit of David. David's brother said to, to the, about Goliath, he's too big to hit. While David would say, he's too big to miss. Come on. Your spirit knows that you're a champion. Your spirit knows you are more than a conqueror. Your spirit knows you are the winner first time, every time. And wishes that your body and soul would just get out of the way and let me do what I do. The conflict of the, soul, of the body and soul against the spirit. Body and soul, I don't want to fight. I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I'm scared to fight. I don't want to fight. And your spirit saying, turn him loose, please. Turn him loose. I got a left jab that won't quit. Turn him loose. And there's that conflict going on. Leads to uh, discouragement. Leads to low self-esteem. Can even lead to depression. Because your spirit is absolutely positively sure it came from the God who created you. It knows that you're more than anything that this world can spit out to you. Your spirit knows that. And he's in a conflict because your body and soul will not give in. There's more to your victory. You're just going to have to dig down deep and get it. Because your spirit can't wait for the next victory. Your spirit cannot wait for the next victory. All we have to do is learn to accept the challenge and let God be our corner coach. We got what it takes. He supplied us with everything that it takes. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3 said, The whole earth is full of His glory. One seraphim says today, The whole earth is full of His glory. Years ago, I, I did a deer hunt in Mississippi. I've got a, my baby brother lives in Mississippi and He's got, got all kind of land that he manages for someone, and they let him hunt. So I, I'm hunting. I'm sitting there at the deer stand. It wasn't cold enough. Uh, the, the conditions were not all right. But I sat in that deer stand in the silence and solemnity of that deer stand, looking over a food plot into the woods and all kinds of stuff. And I had a great day. Didn't see the first deer. But I had a great day. I got three good messages. I got inspired. I was sitting there in the silence and God was talking to me. I got three real good messages. Let me tell you something that happened while I was sitting there. Not a deer in sight. But all of a sudden, this, um, I, it can't be a marsh rabbit. It was a rabbit. Looked just like our marsh rabbits. So I guess that's what it was. A wild rabbit. And he come just hopping right under my deer stand. He's foraging around looking for stuff. Just sitting there. I'm looking at that. I said, I'm not interested in rabbit. But I watched that little rabbit. And all of a sudden, I got these funny ideas. That I wonder, I just wonder, does that rabbit have any idea I'm here? Hmm. Wild rabbit. My guess was, no, he doesn't know I'm here. So I, th- I thought I'd experiment. So I licked my finger, and I did, I snapped. 
And when I snapped my finger, both ears on that rabbit went straight up. Just like that. I said. So I froze. I said, oh, he heard me. Now I'm thinking. I said, oh, I wonder what would happen if I snap again. And so I snapped again. Now his ears are straight up. Now this time when I snapped, he looked straight at me. The first snap, he said, there's somebody out here. The the second snap, his ears focused right on where the sound came from. He's looking straight up at me. And I'm, And I stayed that way until he finally gave up on it and went back to foraging. And then a second rabbit came out. I'm saying, I wonder if all rabbits are alike. So I snapped again. Both rabbits, four ears, straight up. Test number two. <laughs> I snapped again. Both rabbits looked straight up at me. I said, All rabbits do act alike. <laughs> what is all of that about? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what this is about. There's a song playing in this room right now. Can you hear it? Listen real close. Because I guarantee you, there's a song playing in this building right now. But you can't hear it. And I know why. Because the song is being transmitted and you don't have a receiver. But now if you had a little thing they call a radio with an antenna, it's got a receiver in it and you can dial in and you can hear any song playing on any frequency. Am I telling the truth or not? And then now it's like hyper, it's gone digital. Wow, how amazing. This is what I'm really talking about. The glory of God is all over this world. Did you feel him yet today? Did you sense his presence yet today? Because you do have a receiver for that. But you have to be hungry feel it. You'll have to be hungry to receive it, to sense it, to become part of its environment. You will have to have a hunger for more than where you are, more than what you are, more than how you are. All of those things will take a back seat while you surrender to His glory and His presence and He is able to do something in you that is more than what you are right now. Tune in to your receiver. Just say, Heavenly Father, 
You know what you mean when you, you know what it means to God when you say, Heavenly Father, it means, God, I know you're here. And I call you my Father. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father. Let Him know He is your Father. We say, Heavenly Father, something happens in your spirit that opens up to the sensation of His presence. He's not hiding from anyone. But He's looking for the hungry. Someone said one time, how do you hear the word, the, the voice of God? How do you hear the word of God? Well, how do you hear the truth of God? Jesus made it clear. He spoke a parable. And then the majority of the multitude left. It was pork chop time. Oh, not likely. <laughs> Maybe roast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was raised in Louisiana. <laughs> but the disciples and a few more of the multitude remained and said, Lord, wait, 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 wait. We did not get it. We do not understand what you just said. Could you please explain what you just said? And what did Jesus say to them? Oh, he said, to you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Not just this parable. What was he saying? Because you are interested in what I said and you weren't simply religious. I will give you the understanding. Then he said, you know, I'm not the one who actually does it. It's my father that does it. How does God give the ear to someone so they can hear? How does God give the ear? Easy. Are you interested? Are you interested in what God has to say? Are you interested in the letter he wrote to you? Are you interested? If you are interested, he will give you the ear. It's not that complicated. I want to know what God said. I'm not satisfied that somebody says they think that's what God said. I want to know what God said. I'm interested. And for that, God will give you the ear. There's more. And I'm going to get to the bottom of it. There's more. Let me tell you what's happening. If what, if what happened in our lives today is that we came to this beautiful building, because it's so nice, and it is beautiful, and it's nonstop. Every year we come, pastors, are, they, they're, their wheels are constantly rolling to make it better, to, to, to give more to the kingdom of God. Don't you get that? You can't be part of this church and not know that there's not a drive to become more and more and more and more efficient in getting God's business done. But if all we did was come to this beautiful building, because it is a beautiful building, and they keep the AC at the right temperature and the heater at the right temperature, you know, everything is so nice, it's comfortable, and, and you know, there's some good people, smiling faces, and then, you know, you shake hands with the right person, you get a taco, <laughs> you get you get Spanish rice, you get, or you get a good steak, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on because of your association. That's all you did. You drank the prime. If the worship songs and the music just gave you a good set of goosebumps and you sat on that pew or you stood in that aisle wherever you were and all you got was some good singing, you drank the prime. If the message that you hear, service in and service out, turns out to be 
only worth a good pat on the back and pastor that was a good message and we pay you to do that and you're doing a great job you deserve every bit of your check if that's all that's going on you drank the prime because all of these things that go on including this house you know this house is a place where you get to meet with God it's where a, a, a release of the spirit occurs that does not occur in your house it's where minds in separate issues and separate and, and, uh, and um, circumstances get tuned up with the Holy Ghost and that so distracted human all of a sudden gets a word that you are hurting on this side and comes put their hand right where the pain is. Hello! This is where the body of Christ can function and the Holy Ghost can move in a supernatural way, tell you things you're not supposed to know, and there's no way you could know, reveals it once over. Wow, how did you know? This, this is where the gifts of the Holy Spirit prove to a dying world that there is life in the body of Christ. There's a heartbeat. There's a pulse. There's a breath. That happens in this house. But if it's not going on, we're drinking the prime. There's more and we're not getting to it. We're on the run. We're grabbing the jar. We're guzzling it down. We drop the jar, don't even care where it is. And we keep running while there's a well full of overflowing revival that we could have tapped into. But we drank the prime. The worship songs, the music. Someone, I hear this all the time. Music is a powerful thing. Music gets down deep into the spirit and soul of man. Songs. Songs take us to another world if we let them. I am, listen, I, Cindy and I pastor for 26 and a half years. I guarantee you there's one thing that never went on in our ministry that we were satisfied with where we were. If you talk to any former church member of ours, they'll tell you, Brother Jacob, he was rough. He was nonstop. That man was never satisfied. Push, 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 push. You know, I, I, we never had enough music. We never had enough song. We never had enough worship. Never had enough word. Push, push, push. But they said, let me tell you something, Brother Jacob. That man loved us. That man loved us. Sister Cindy, she loved us. There is no, there is no such position in God called satisfied. You'll always be hungry for more. If your spirit is in the right hands, hello, you'll always be looking for that next adventure, that next level, that next battle, that next trial, that next storm. Why? Because he's made me more than enough. He made me more. He made me more. Hello, he made me more. Don't look at what's going on in my life. Just recognize this. Whatever's going on in my life, I am more. Nothing like being part of the body of Christ. 
these messages that you hear, they're not just so that you can feel satisfied that a job is being done right. They're designed to be seeds inside of your spirit that germinate and send roots everywhere and push out every dirt that doesn't belong in you until your pot is full of nothing but the roots of the truth of the Word of God. That's what the messages are about to get into your spirit and make you more of what you're supposed to be. Don't take church for granted. Don't take worship for granted. Don't take message ministry for granted. Make up your mind to one thing. God is never going to run out there will always be more. So I will always be looking for more. Our God is a, a great God. He, you're not going to find... Matter of fact, He's the only God. He's the only God. He puts up with people's dead gods. He acknowledges them because you know what? Anything between you and God is idolatry. And God cannot deny Himself of being the only God of your life. He's done so much for us. I want to close with this. Any of you ever have an encounter with a devil? Any of you ever feel like hell was after you? Let me tell you something. There are demons. And there is a hell. But I want you to know. There is a heaven. And there is a God. (laughs) The last encounter I had with, uh, with an atheist. That kid was too young to be an atheist. I don't, know if, I don't know if the kid was 17 years old yet, 16 or 17. And I thought to myself, I, you know, I asked him, I said, I said, so I guess at 16 or 17, you have done a thorough, deep study to come up with this ingenious conclusion that there is no God. I'm almost 70 years old. I haven't had enough time to to do that investigation. But it's simply this. This is the question that I asked. I said, then just answer me one question because I'm telling you, there is a God. He means to save your soul and bring you to an eternal relationship with Him. And there's only one way to do That's through His Son, Jesus Christ. But this is my question. There are, of all the languages... um, 1,700, there are hundreds of languages on this planet. Hundreds of languages. There is one word that appears in every language, bar none. Took a young man to India, and on the way over there, I told him, I said, you're going to hear a word as soon, probably within three minutes of our first service, you're going to hear a word in their language that you will understand. You said, oh, really? I said, yeah, yeah, you sure will. He said, what word is that? I said, let's wait. Two minutes into the first service, some one of those uh, Eastern Indians stood up and said, Hallelujah! Immediately the guy looked at me, I said, that's it, that's the word. In every language of the world, whether it's 600 to 1700 languages on this planet, that word appears in every single language. I asked this young person, I said, what do you think that word means? Don't know. It means, may God be praised. 
Now, if there is no God, how in the world did that one word find its way in every single language on this planet? There is a God. And He sent His Son to be your Savior, my Savior. It's all real. So I'm asking you today, do you know Him? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you surrendered your life to the true and the living God where you get to tap in to everything you will ever need and more? I want you to stand with me all over the building. Some of you, you just need to say, Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I want to give my life to you. And, and I'm afraid I don't do the bow your heads and close your eyes because it doesn't matter. You're going to have to live up to it before, before you know it anyway. You'll have to live up to it. If you're willing to surrender your life to Jesus, then you should be willing to do it in public anyway. You have to or it's useless. You have to admit. The Bible says with the heart man believes in the righteousness. And with the mouth he admits to everyone who knows him that he is a child of God. So today I'm asking you. If you need Jesus. Your life. You're in a turmoil. Or everything's okay the only problem is you're not on your way to heaven but today you want to say preacher 